My name's Ailey McIntyre, Team GB Sailor and Olympic gold medalist. Welcome to my new podcast, Out of the Shadows. Please make sure you subscribe and leave a review. Email us with any of your thoughts at outofthepod at outlook.com. Follow us on Instagram at outofthepod. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode four. I'm catching up with another of my fellow Tokyo gold medalists. We're here in association with Quotesearch.com. If you haven't heard Johnny Brownlee or Matty Lee earlier in the series, make sure you subscribe and give it a listen. But today, it's Olympic champion, flyweight boxer, Galal Yafai. Yeah, I'm good. I've got headphones. Shall I put the headphones in? Yeah, headphones would be ace, yeah. I can't tell you how grateful I am that you're here. That's all right. Uh, so just before we get started... Galal comes from a fighting household, as you're about to hear. He's the youngest of three brothers. Cal, the eldest, is former WBA super flyweight world champion. And Gamal, in the middle, held the European and Commonwealth title at super bantamweight. But Galal might just prove to be the best of the bunch. We'll have to see. You have, like, an unreal story, you and your brothers. Tell me, when you are a kid, growing up in your house, your poor mum, it must have been a nightmare. Yeah, literally, you know... um. Well, my brothers started off boxing first. Um, my two brothers, they're a bit older than me. Yeah, they started boxing. And I just thought, you know, I want to I wanna do a little bit of this boxing. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. And then we'd start sparring at home and we'd watch boxing on the telly. And because when I was about, I'd say about six years old, my older brother Cal was, I think, 10 at the time. So it's... Four years when you're six years old is quite a big difference. Yeah, you know, big deal, yeah. A 10-year-old. And then I had my brother Gamal, who was eight years old. So even two years, it was still a little bit of a gap. So I used to get the beatings from, from both of them. <laughs> they used to beat me up and then I used to start crying. And then my mum would come in going crazy at Cal and Gamal and... Then we'd do it again. They'd find it hilarious. <laughs> yeah, they'd, they'd just carry on. And then once they beat me up, then Cal and Gamal would start fighting with each other. And then Cal would make Gamal cry. So he'd get in trouble for beating up me and Gamal. And then the next day we'd be doing exactly the same thing. And yeah, it just happened for years. And it was crazy at the time. And my mum was pulling the hair out, like I've said numerous times. But um, it's done us all quite well. It's done us quite well. I mean, she, it, when she looks back now, she must just be like, I can't believe it, all that fighting, and now look at them all. Yeah, Absolute li- legends of their sport. <laughs> yeah, literally, um, yeah, she's proud as punch, and yeah, probably if she stopped us from uh, fighting in the house, we probably wouldn't have got this far. So it sounds like you were all just, like, ridiculously obsessed with boxing, not just doing it, but, like, watching it and just totally into it. Who was the first to be like, do you know what, I want to do this? Yeah, I think it was, I think, actually, I think it's my brother, Gamal, who's probably two years older, he's 12, he's two years older than me, but Cal is the oldest, so Gamal went first, and then Cal kind of joined, so the oldest didn't actually start first. Yeah. I did, so then Cal joined about a week or so later, or two later, and then, and then, yeah, he just, they just fell in love with boxing, and I saw them doing it, as you, as you do your older brothers, you, you kind of look up to them, and I thought... Yeah, I kind of want to try that. And I was in and out of boxing. I wasn't as, um, I would say I wasn't as interested as they were. 
they really stuck at it from a young age and but I was kind of in and out do you know what I mean so when did you get like when did you get the bug then I was in school I think I was about 14 at the time in secondary school and my brother Cal, he, he um, went to the Olympic Games in 2008 in Beijing. And I remember thinking, oh, that, that seems cool, Olympics. I, I didn't even know what they were, so I was like, oh, these look quite cool. I, I want to go to one of these maybe in the future. And then I could see them in the newspapers, and then they were on the telly. And then, you know, I thought, oh, I want to be in the newspapers. I want to be on the telly. <laughs> they get audits from everyone at home and in the family, and then when they get seen in the streets and they got all the applauds and I was like I'm not getting none of this so I thought yeah I want to be I want a piece of it and yeah I kind of just got into it I love that so it was more like a what I want some bloody attention as the youngest I can totally relate to that (laughs) literally it was exactly that it was I wanted a bit of the limelight they were getting it all so yeah were you ever all in GB boxing at the same time all three Um, of you Nah, Cal and Gamal were for years because Cal's the oldest. Cal is he's thirty three now, so Gamal I think yeah, Gamal thirty. So they won the squad for years together. The GB boxing team they'd go to European Championships together and all these various tournaments, and they were always together. And I was kind of left out in, in college, and then eventually I got a job at, to work, and they've always been been lucky enough to never have to work and. They've always been getting paid through the boxing programme, so they've always been quite lucky in that respect. Was that because, like you said, you were dipping in and out, like, rather than you went, like, all guns blazing for it, you sort of decided to go get a job? Yeah, like I said, I was, yeah, I was in and out. I was in and out. I wasn't... Yeah. I had my first fight at 18 years old, so that's considered quite late in boxing. Yeah, that, I mean, that's late for most sports. Yeah, like, and... But because I had a bit of experience from fighting back at home... In, in the garden, in the sitting room. It was like I was someone who had 20, 30 fights. Yeah. So I didn't catch up, but I was catching up really fast. Because you actually just, you just had a base of years of fighting yeah. as a yeah. kid at home. Yeah, yeah, bang on. And when I went to Olympics in 2016, I had about 27 fights, which is unheard of. So I was like really... Because I read that, like, you joined the team really late before Rio. And I was like, wow, that's that's unusual. Yeah, I joined in, I think it was, like, September 2015. And by April 2016, I was qualified. So it's it's pretty much unheard of. So um, it just shows that it did help me all the previous years and when I was young, fighting and things like that. So what you're saying is being beaten up by your brothers for all yeah. those years... <laughs> that real helped. Literally, literally helped me. It did help me. But this story is more than just living room bundles. I want to get a bit deeper into the relationship between the trio. By the time they were all in the fight game, there must have been so much rivalry, no? No, we've never had any rivalry, really. Um, I remember I was 17 years old, and I remember my brother Gamal telling me, he said, um, oh, you need to get to the gym. It's your, like, it's your last opportunity now. If you want to do something boxing, you have to go now, kind of. Leave it any longer, it's going to be too late. And to be fair, I actually listened to him and he really pushed me. He was like, every week, he was like, get to the gym, you need to come to the gym. Come on, come to the gym. Oh, really? He, like, sort of was, like, a bit of a driver? Oh, a million percent. He pushed me loads, Um, to be fair. Oh, wow. And he didn't really have to, but he just... I think he could see I had something there. So I was like, mm. I'll go on and I'll come. And once I started properly, then I just... I couldn't get rid of the book. Yeah, you're just addicted, hooked. 
Yeah. But then he, so then he, you never overlap with the team. He chose to go professional way earlier. You know, he never made the games, did he? No, um, he had someone in his weight division that actually took the spot. He was, he actually became Olympic champion as well. Luke Campbell, who was Olympic champion in 2012. So he was just, he's probably just too good at the time to get ahead of him. But he, well, he became Olympic champion. So, so then, like, you, you go to your first games, you've got a brother that's been to the games, you've got, Gamal, who's like pushed you so hard. When you got selected, did they sort of throw advice at you? Yeah, they did. Um, they, they give me advice all the time, even now. And like, I'm two-time Olympian, a come-off champion, Olympic champion. I've had numerous fights all around the world and they still give me advice to this day. Do they watch your fights and then the next day that you sort of have a little debrief? Yeah, me, all the time. Every single really? day we have a debrief. On each, every one of us, we have a debrief. We all meet up at my mum's and we talk about it. Um, <laughs> it's crazy, really. But um, it's, it's good to um, get their advice and things like that. Because even though I've done some good things in boxing, I still need, you know, that advice from other people. Yeah, like they've totally mentored you. Do you now sort of do it for them as well? Because you, you've got so much experience now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and, and the good thing now is my opinion holds a bit more clout now as well. <laughs> We're back in the day, <laughs> old yeah. but now they actually can listen now because they actually think, okay, you, you know what you're talking about now, which five, six years ago, I probably didn't. <laughs> I was about to say, do you remember that moment now? Is, is that only since Tokyo or, or was yeah. that before? A little bit before, but then since Tokyo, it's, yeah, now it's, I've got the clout now. So Rio, like that was a tough game for you, right? Like I know you were late into it and you yeah. you pushed it, but you were like bloody close to beating the guy that went on to win gold. Were they all there at the games with you at the time? No, no they weren't there with me at the time. Um, I, to be fair, I don't mind it if my family's there or not. It's, it's just one of the things you get used to. Um, but I remember going into the tournament, I won my first fight, but then I come up against the world number one seed. He was a reigning world champion from Cuba. And I'd fought him about a month or two before, and I gave him a really good fight, and I thought I could beat him. But he just picked me out, and he won a split decision, which is like two judges give it him, one gave it me. And I was like a little novice who had 27 fights against the world champion, the reigning world champion, who was number one seed. And mm. I thought I'd give a good account of myself, especially as I just got on the team. So I knew there was better things to come in the future. In those decisions, like, just really interestingly, is it ever hard to think, is there, like, bias because someone is holds the records, you know, because you are a judged competition? Yeah, definitely. And they actually got in trouble, actually, the organisation, IEBA, they, they actually got, took off them to judge and to officiate the games in Tokyo. They what, actually... sort of off the back of the last Olympics? Yeah, after, after Rio. So... I think there was a lot of that going on in, in Rio, so they actually took them out and then they the task force come in for these Olympics, which was pretty fair, so um Yeah. Which shown when I got the gold medal. So interesting. So after that game, like so your family weren't there. Yeah. It's interesting that that doesn't bother you. I sort of wondered whether you might have a bit of like a no, it makes a massive difference when they're all there. Now, you know, I'm literally I th I think a lot of fighters are tired for G B and, and other countries, it's just you're fighting and you're just in a tunnel, you're in a zone, mm. you just fight. I don't care. Whoever's there, my mom, I love my mom to be there. It's brilliant, my brothers, but I've just got to 
task at hand. I've just got to just walk through everyone and just get that medal, get a gold medal, win, and that is yeah. it. I really admire Galal's focus and single-mindedness, and I want to find out more about how that mentality was formed. Part of it, surely, is that a lad from such a tight family in Birmingham had to make the transition to living away from home as part of the GB boxing setup in Sheffield. When you get into GB, you know, you're up here quite a lot in Sheffield and you're in a house with other boxers that you don't really know too well yet. You, it's a bit lonely at times, but it, it mentally toughens you. And then when you're in the middle of Bulgaria or you're in the middle of Russia, Kazakhstan, and it's yeah. horrible there, no Wi-Fi, no tellies, the food isn't great, you just become mentally stronger and you just mm. think, I'm here to win, I'm here to get better. And, and this that's the main thing. And I think it just comes over time. And I guess that forms the amazing bond. Like, I really noticed it from the Tokyo team, just how close you all were, you know, like you were like a little unit, a little bubble. Do you think that grew towards you nailing Tokyo as a sort of gang, you know? Yeah, definitely. I feel like you need some kind of comfort there, you know. I know boxing isn't a team sport, you're on your own in the ring, but you get bonds with people in the team and, you know, you have other people with you and then you're sharing rooms with these guys or girls and then you become friends kind of with these people. So it's like, say me and Fraser Clark, we shared a room and we became best of mates. We share a house back in Sheffield. So we'd be with these people more than our families. So these yeah. are people that become like your comfort zone. So mm. you create bonds and friendships and they become your comfort when you're away. So it's, um, it definitely helps. So then you don't need to sort of rely on home and that bond there. Definitely, definitely. That phase after Rio, you know, and then moving forward to Tokyo, did you lean on your brothers at all? Like, how much did they, did they have to pick you back up? Because I read an interview sort of saying, you weren't sure whether to go pro, whether to go amateur, yeah. to stay in the Olympic scene. Were they a part of that? Did they help you make that decision? Yeah, kind of. Um, they're quite knowledgeable with, you know, what they've been there, done it, so they can give me advice. Yeah. But I remember coming back, I, I remember being really down after the, the games, I, I always not want the limelight, but I want to be, you know, quite respected and people applaud yeah. me, which I think we all do in sport. Like you can say yourself, you, you want to be the best and you want people to say yeah. she's brilliant or he's brilliant. Um, mm. Losing and I'd see Nicky Adams, Joe Joyce, you know, win golds and silvers. And it's it's great seeing them do brilliant things, but then you want it too. It's um yeah, it's not like a jealousy thing where you, you want bad for them, but you want that too. And I remember going onto the plane. I remember, I don't know if you've, you've had it before, but if you don't win a medal for the in the Olympic team, you kind of get chucked to the back of the plane. And I remember yeah. the medalists, the gold, the silvers and the bronzes up at the front, business class, whatever you want, champagne, food, whatever you want. And it's kind of like a punishment that you don't get a medal that you have to set at the back and yeah. you're in economy. <laughs> and I just thought, I, I don't want this again. And I just yeah. thought, to the next Olympics and hopefully I can get a gold medal and I can be at the front this time. It's quite a brutal thing, isn't it? Do you think it actually became a bit of an incentive? You know, like on a tough day, you were like, I'm not fucking doing that again. Yeah, million percent. Because I remember I've done a few interviews now and I've always brought that up. It just stuck with me. I remember for straight after the Olympic Games, I remember thinking, I'm sat at the back here. Nobody gives a shit about me here. Everyone mm. loves the gold medalists and the silver medalists. They get everything kind of played to them. 
all the cameras want to be around them. Do you remember, obviously, you want a gold in Tokyo, so you remember getting off the plane and you're told to get off first and all the cameras are there to take of you. And you, obviously, you haven't been to Olympics and not won a medal, so you No, I don't know what it's like. I've yeah, just watched it. You haven't won a medal. But I remember in Rio when I hadn't won a medal, so I knew what they were feeling when I'd won a gold in Tokyo. And it's not a nice feeling, but mm. it pushed me on and I thought... I don't want that feeling again. I want to be the main boy and the main person who everyone's applauding. And yeah, I was glad that I've got it. I can so relate to what Galal's saying about a business class flight. It's just known within the British athletes that if you win a gold medal, you get a business class or first class flight. And it really does linger on your mind. And you know, it's one of those things that Han and I joked about when we got off the podium. This means we get to turn left at the airplane door. I know it sounds silly and I know it's ridiculous, but it might be the only chance we ever get of being in first class. And I can't tell you how nice it is to hear that another athlete agrees. The Out of the Shadows podcast is in partnership with QuoteSearch. QuoteSearch is the new way to search, compare and save online. They provide a truly independent and impartial service, which is why you can be safe knowing the prices you see are comprehensive and competitive. You're listening to Out of the Shadows with me, Ailey McIntyre. My guest on this episode is Olympic boxing champion, Galalia Fai. 2020 was an incredible year for all of us. It was meant to be Olympic year. Our lives had been building up to this moment and for Galal and his GB boxing teammates, that meant securing qualification at the European qualifier in London. Let me take you back. It's March 2020, the Olympics are only four months away. The qualifier for all European fighters is being held at the Copper Box in London. But as soon as the event begins, something's in the air quite literally oh you know that was crazy it was actually in london the qualifier was in london oh amazing it was stratford at the cover box arena it was we never get tournaments in england um so we were lucky yeah. and then i remember you could hear things about covid going around i didn't even know if it was that serious to be fair and, and yeah especially like our age we're a bit we're quite naive and young we don't really care about any of that we just want to no. box whatever you do in your sport and just get on with life. But I remember fighting the day of my fight. I was fighting a Russian. It was quite very, very good, actually. And I got pulled to the side for my performance director, Rob McCracken. And he said, you're going to fight now. Now, first of all, he pulled me over and I thought, oh, what's going on here? Because I could see it was something was not normal. Were you, uh, were you like, what have I done? That's yeah, what I always do when my team manager pulls me over. Yeah, I was thinking, what's going on here? Something's happened. Have I done anything? And he just said, um, basically, tournament's getting cancelled after today. You can go now, fight, qualify, and then they have to revisit the tournament because of this COVID. So I, I was quite happy, really, because you only had to fight one fight to qualify. Normally, it's, you fight in the quarterfinals, semifinals, and then finals. Oh. But I thought, one fight, qualify, and I'm off now for months, and I can just rest on my laurels about qualifying. I could just enjoy, eat loads of food, enjoy enjoy my, my the, the fact that I'm qualified for my second Olympic Games. And so, yeah, I won, beat the Russian, and that was it. The tournament was done, and I was like, brilliant. I can go home now. I can just relax. 
I do. I think that's a really interesting point because I think people really underestimate how stressful it is just to get qualified for the games and how doing it early and getting a little break is massive for performance. Yeah, definitely. And it, it was just from my mind, I was just thinking, I'm just here to qualify. I don't care about winning this tournament. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's very unheard of if you just have one fight and you qualify. So, I had one fight, qualified, and I went back home the next day, enjoyed it for one day, and then the day after that, it was locked down, and yeah, I was stuck in my apartment for three months. What did you do during that? Like, how did your team deal with that situation? Um, Very well, actually. Uh, you know, a lot of Zooms going on. We were getting bikes sent out to us, equipment, yeah, nice. uh, which was crazy really like look thinking back now it's actually crazy that that actually happened in the world um it's mental isn't it mental did you have like i had like a little gym set up in my dining room did you have the same like i literally took it over i had like 150 kgs of weights in our dining room you know i, I wish my apartment's too small couldn't have nothing like oh shit. i wish like some of the guys and the girls were getting what bikes sent out to them and everything and i was like i wish i could have a what bike here but it just wouldn't fit. Um, what so. did you do then? How did you stay fit enough? Like, I, so I had a bike and I had weights. I just sort of like worked around my dining room. How did you stay in shape? I did running and I was just doing a few little circuits, press ups, sit ups, things like this in the house. I was just doing little things really to tick over. I think I was still over the moon that I'd qualified. Do you remember the day it got postponed? Are you talking about the Olympics? Yeah, the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was. Um, I was just at home. It was just a normal. Obviously, we were all stuck in the house, and yeah. I, and I was getting messages about it. People were saying, "Oh, is this true?" Like headlines from the Daily Mail and things like that. And I was thinking, surely it can't be true. Um, but then it officially got announced on some news channel, and yeah, I was devastated. I was because I I remember the first thing I felt was just like relief that it had been postponed and not cancelled. Were you the same or were you just like devastated that you were going to go through the whole thing again? I think I was, I was a bit, oh, I was gutted that it got postponed because I would have loved them to happen. Like, but I'm glad they got postponed and instead of cancelled. We've spoken about the delay to Tokyo a lot on this podcast. And Galal was so lucky to get his qualification spot many of the other boxers didn't and they were left in limbo not knowing when they were going to be able to qualify anyway one year on from all that drama it's 2021 it's time for tokyo we're finally here we've talked to gilal about his close bond with his brothers i wanted to know if before he left for japan there was one of those last family sit downs i know i certainly had one with my dad Uh, a bit, yeah, kind of. We we, we met before. But I remember speaking to my brother, um, Cal, and saying, oh, like, I have to do something here. Like, I've waited five years. You know, I was 28 at the time, or 27 or 28. So I was like, it's my last chance, really. I have to do something. Otherwise, I've pretty much wasted four or five years. Um, you don't really go pro this late unless you've got, like, Olympic gold medal or something. So there's a lot of pressure. But, and, and he was kind of, he was playing it down because he didn't want to put the pressure on me. But I think he knew the circumstances I was under and, and the the pressure I had on me as well. Because if I didn't medal, I would have pretty much wasted a lot of years. Yeah. Do you remember, was there anything he said that like really helped you? He would just always say to me, just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. It's like, um, whatever's meant to be, will be. 
you can't overthink something too much of otherwise you're putting too much pressure on yourself you're not going to perform just go out there enjoy it and i remember he always says to me just show everyone how good you are and olympic games is somewhere where you want to show everyone how good you are because the whole world's watching so the ultimate um, stage yeah the ultimate stage and you know millions of people are watching everyone back home is is really interested and it's olympic games don't get nothing bigger so you need to perform and i think i did I can. You think you did? Bloody hell! <laughs> <laughs> Just a little, a little bit. I guess in in a way, though, like you were quite well primed. No one was there, but you you were pretty primed because of your bubble and the way you'd always worked with the, yeah. your GB boxing and stuff. Did it feel weird at the games for you, not having anyone there when you won? Um, no, not really. Um, no. for me, I was just like. Everyone that means something to me or anyone that's supporting me is watching now and I. Mm. Um, whether they're here in the, in the stadium, 10 metres away from me, they're watching at home. So they're going to be proud of me because everyone's watching that, that knows me. Um, and I think that's what makes me do better is the fact that I know people are watching me. Do you think that plays up to this side? Like you've spoken a bit about like it's important to you to like showcase yourself. Do you yeah. think in a way, like, you almost dive in that scenario of it being, like, a showcase? Yeah, definitely. I think everyone in sport is that way. I think if you're not mm. going that way, then something's wrong with you. Like, I haven't got an ego. I'm not um, I'm not a show-off. I'm the opposite. But I want um, respect at what I do. I mm. want respect in people to say, he's fucking good at what he does do you know what i mean i think that's such yeah and i think that's such an important thing to distinguish those two different things yeah like it's not being a show-off it's you love your sport and you want to be the best and you want to show that you're the best and the only way to do that is to perform like yeah. and it is a performance thing isn't it no i totally get it so are you right at the games you're trying to win a gold medal did you ever have a feeling like both my brothers have tried to do this yeah like the whole family's tried to do this. I'm the last one. Did you ever feel a pressure of I want to win this for them? Um, I you know what I don't I didn't feel no pressure. I think I just wanted just to win so bad. And I remember because I see all these fighters that have gone before me. You know, your Muhammad Ali's, your all these legends who have become Olympic champions. And I think I want to be like one of them. Like I won't be as good as them, but one thing we'll be able to say is we're both Olympic champions. So. I've always wanted to say that. So it went the pressure of trying to um, live up to anyone's expectations, like my brothers or anything. It was wanting to make people proud, like them. Yeah. Get their respect almost as well. Um, yeah, well, now you can give them advice. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and I worked so hard to be able to do that. And I got to the point yeah. where I can now. And they have to listen. <laughs> yeah, they have to now because I've got a cold medal. So they've got no choice. When you got home, what was that like? Like being reunited with them all? They were at the airport. So all my friends and all my brothers and everyone was there and my family and I hated it. I, I don't like none of that. I just wanted to get a coffee and just go home um, quietly. <laughs> Which is quite silly of me thinking that now because I knew that was never going to happen. And I'm kind of glad that never happened because it wouldn't have felt that good if I just got home and just got in a car, got a Starbucks and went home. Yeah. Um, a little bit of you would probably have just been like, where is everyone? It would have felt a little bit like that. I would have been a bit like, yeah. 
no one gives a shit about me. Um, <laughs> Guys, that, I finally won a gold. Why aren't you here? Exactly. Um, but now they were there, shouting and screaming, chanting England flags and you know flutes, everything, all types of instruments. And uh, it was it was. Yeah, they had instruments. Yeah, they had a band. Literally, they come with like I don't know if they're called flutes or little, I don't know what they're called. Um, oh, like they, little trumpet. <laughs> yeah, trumpets and everything, and I was just like, "This is crazy." But um, oh, that's <laughs> good, so good. How did it good? I'm still trying to work out what instrument Galal's talking about. A recorder, maybe? I love the image of an Olympic boxer being greeted back at Birmingham International by an orchestra of flutes. Anyway. What a thing for the family. Remember Cal's been a world champion. Gamal has been a European and Commonwealth champion. Now Galal's an Olympic champion. All from the same front room. It's quite a story. Like, I look, I look at my family now and, um, and none of us are big-headed or we've got egos. Because if they have an ego, I tell them, I'd say, Cal, Gamal, you need to chill out. You know, if they have, <laughs> you know, big-headed or anything. Um, so we're all grounded and... Yeah. I think my mum would give us a clip around here if we ever acted that way as well. Um, I, I feel like your mum has to be that way. Nah, nah she is. Um, for real, she is that way. And sometimes we say, um, oh, yeah, we've, we've done pretty well. But because Cal, you know, Cal was world champion. He was Birmingham's first ever world champion. You know, I became Olympic champion in Birmingham. And then my brother Gamal, who was European champion. And, like, you never really get that many... Doubts in a family, but I think because we're still in it now, you know, it's just tunnel vision. We, we're not really, we're not really trying to celebrate it. But maybe when we're fifty years old or sixty years old, we can look back and maybe enjoy. Um, we can enjoy and speak well on it, and and yeah, just enjoy it. Like I think was to like been amazing about chatting is you're obviously like a little unit, the three of you, and like yeah. you, you you've had each other's backs, and each of your success is as much the other person's. Particularly, it sounds like Gamal really pushed you. Do you yeah. ever remember like a particular moment where he like gave you a bit of a shove up the ass? Yeah, I remember. I remember I just used to see him getting the bus to the gym, and I remember one time I said to him, "He said, um, come home at this time to meet me to go to the gym." But I, I think I was playing football that day. I did, I did something, so I weren't really asked really, and I yeah, I just forgot about the times and. I remember coming back home and I could see him on the bus get going to the gym, and I remember him waving at me, trying to tell me you missed the you missed the time you were meant to come. But then the following week, I actually went with him, and yeah, that was it. Then we we used to go together, and then he actually used to go to Sheffield then with Cal. So then I was stuck in the okay. gym getting the bus on my own. Was that harder when he left? Did Did you find that like a tough time in that journey when you sort of didn't have either of them around? I kind of had to do it then. I'm on my own, which um, made me a little bit more, I would say, mentally stronger, but cold nights on your own and, you know, you finish at eight, nine o'clock and in the winter it's pretty dark and cold. So it kind of gave me that love then for boxing, I think. Yeah. It also probably just showed your passion, you know, like it wasn't, it was yours and you were owning it. Someone wasn't dragging you along. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So now, like, you're all together like and I just saw today you've started up the Team FI Foundation what's yeah. like that's super cool what's sort of that about well basically it's kind of like going to schools going to youth centres doing these kind of things that 
you know, kind a little bit just giving back a bit because when we when we was brought up in Birmingham, you know, you see people that you look up at up to. I remember being in school and seeing Richie Woodall coming to my school and he's Olympic medalist yeah. from the Midlands. And I remember thinking, Oh, it's Richard Woodall, like he's on the telly and he was at my school and I remember thinking, Oh god, he looks so big and he looks amazing and and he's yeah. actually I actually work with him now. That's so cool. No, and, and I was about fourteen at the time and I remember all the kids will be fascinated with him and when, when he come to visit and it's crazy because he trains me now kind of like with the team, the G B staff. So someone approached us about maybe thinking about doing it and we were like, Yeah, we'd love to try and do something and yeah, we kind of made the foundation. Yeah, hopefully we can give a little bit back. I feel like you've probably already given a lot back, but this is it's yeah. super cool. So wait, but, pro life. What is that? You're yeah, all now pro. Yeah, all still pro. Um, yeah, hopefully we can have a show together in Birmingham, all three of us, and yeah, get. Is that get... the like? Would that be like the dream? All three of you, one show. Yeah. All win. All win. Uh, yeah, hopefully. Cal and Gamal fought together on a show in Birmingham before. But I wasn't pro at the time, so I, I wasn't there. Um, yeah, it was annoying because they were getting all the limelight as well. And I was like, I want to do a bit of this. And people were like kind of, I wouldn't say forgetting about me, but they weren't really interested in me because mm. I was up and come out on Great Britain team. But then when I won my gold medal, it was like, oh, that's that that's Galau who, who was always in the background when Khan Gamal were fighting. Um, and, but do you know what's funny now? When you Google you guys... Like, yeah. you're the one that comes up. Yeah. Yeah, it's because that gold medal it, uh, put me at the top. Yeah. God, I want to research your brother's girl. Yeah. Can you, like, get out of it? I know. <laughs> I know it's that, well, it is my fault. I'm sorry. But, you know what? I worked so hard for it. And, and finally. Yeah. Don't take it back. <laughs> nah, nah. I really hope this happens. All three of your five brothers on the same bill in Birmingham. What a unique event in British sport that would be. Come on, guys, can we make this happen? And can you give me a ticket? I loved chatting to Galaliafai, one of my fellow Team GB gold medalists from the Tokyo Olympics. We're just about to end the interview when Galal unexpectedly turns the table and suddenly it's me being interviewed. Have a listen. Amazing. Right, well, good luck. And um, hopefully we catch up at some cool event at some point. Yeah, how are you doing yourself, though? Um, are you, what's going on with your future? Oh, God. Uh, I, well, sailing is pretty much all the Olympics. So yeah. um, I'm going to try and go again. But okay. we're the same age. So I do have a bit, like, this will be my last one, basically. Oh, yeah, wait, it's only two years. So it's not too far. I know, it's not too far. But I think, um, I don't know how you'd feel if you went to go back for another one. I, I feel like it's quite hard off the back of winning a yeah. goal to go and do it again. And I'm yeah. definitely sh struggling with that. Yeah, I wouldn't have the motivation. Maybe because I know that there's a second thing after amateur boxing, like pro. But mm. if there wasn't, maybe I would be a bit different. But I wouldn't have the motivation to do no it is so cool for you guys that you you sort of leave and then there's a whole new world mm. like a crazy different world isn't it yeah totally different and it's um something I'm, I'm happy with it really because i love pro boxing but my division's stacked now there's a lot of good people in there it's more glamorous um where before heavyweights anyone only cared about the, the big guys but the smaller guys are doing all right 
but I think that's also from the games, like sort of paves the way, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, everyone gets interested in all of the weight categories, not just the big guys. Yeah, and it kind of helped me as well. I think the way I performed in Tokyo, where I was putting guys down and um, stopping people and winning by TKOs and things like that, people a bit more interested. Um, amateur boxing has paved the way for me, so I can only be grateful for everything that I've achieved as yeah, amateur. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. That was amazing. I literally love talking to you. <laughs> And it's home, it's good, I enjoyed that. But honestly, it's absolutely epic how much you guys have achieved together. And yeah, it's awesome. Now we've got to keep going now, though. Take care, I'll be watching. Now, nah, thanks a lot, I appreciate it. <laughs> Take care, see you later. See you in a bit, bye. Thanks so much to Galalia Five for being my guest on this episode of Out of the Shadows. I hope you loved it. Do let me know your thoughts on the interviews in the series below. Email me out of the pod at outlook.com and follow us on social media at out of the pod we're here in association with quasatch and this is a 94 19 production i'll speak to you all again soon